Welcome to Strung Out, the podcast that looks at life through the lens of an artist. Your host is the artist, writer, and musician, Martin Lawrence McCormack. Now here's Martin. All right. Hi, and welcome to Strung Out with I'm Martin McCormack, and I got with me Capers, our wonder dog, and I also have Richard Friedman, who is the poet laureate, I would say, of uh, of Rogers Park. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you because it was back in November, yeah. I believe, that yeah. you did a tribute to Jim Post. And for those of you that don't know who Jim Post is or was, but feels like an is, he's uh, and I think that was one a, of those presences. Yeah, a presence. Yeah. He was an amazing Midwestern performer. And instead of me talking about it, I want you to talk about your friendship with Jim. Start things off with that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll move on to the show because it was very unique what you did with that show. Go ahead. All right. Well, I... I'd known about Jim Post, and I'd heard about the show he was doing down at the Lyric Opera House. They had not the main big place where they do the 3,000-seat operas, but they have a little theater called the, what's called the Civic Theater. And Jim had been running his show, Galena Rose, subtitled How Whiskey Won the West, for a year and a half. And I was up at the Organic Theater on North Clark Street. It's unfortunately condos now, but pretty close to the ballpark. And... He walked in with a guy who was his manager and said, we're thinking of moving our show to the north side. You guys want to do it? And I said, sure. Why not? A, I immediately liked this guy, and I read about his show. I hadn't seen the show, and I didn't need to see it to know that it would be good because we just built a new theater at the Organic. We rehabbed our building, which was like a warehouse that became a theater complex. And we had something called the Greenhouse Theater, and it was... About 90 seats, but it was carpeted and it had a rake. The audience had a rake, meaning incline. The stage was on floor level, but you could see great. And so we just put Galena Rose in there and it continued to be a huge hit. We had total reviews from the newspapers that carried with the show, so we didn't need to be re-reviewed. And Jim had a kind of a burgeoning audience from years and years he started out with Bonnie Kolak, John Prine, and Steve Goodman and, at the Earl Voltown. And uh, so people knew him as a singer, but he made a shift into dramatic presentations. Galena Rose was a musical about his hometown where he was living for a long time in Illinois in the northwest corner of the state. That's where US, Ulysses S. Grant hung out for a while. There's a museum or, uh, where his home was, actually, Grant's home. But... You've been there, right, Marty? Oh, Galena. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful little town. And Jim just wanted to get in the history of Jelena, Galena, and he wrote this these beautiful songs. And it was just a magical show. It was so successful that what we did was we moved it to the bigger theater in the complex, which was about 300 seats. And I ran it for another year or so. And at the same time, Jim wanted to get into writing songs for kids. So he created an entity called the Cookie Crumb Club. The way Jim would start, every Saturday morning we'd do this, maybe two shows, and pack the place with kids from 3 to 10. And he'd be off stage in the back of the theater, 
and he'd walk in and he'd say, I'm looking for kids. I'm looking for kids. Are there any kids here? And the kids would go, man, where And then he'd get on stage and he did songs like Never Put a Frog in the Kitchen Sink, Bobber Doo, which was about an African dog, and just beautiful songs that kids loved. And he just had one of those personalities that lit things up. Then when I was at Northlight Theater, which at the time was in Evanston, we were actually renting space from Northlight. Not Northlight Theater was renting space from Northwestern because they had two really nice theaters that they didn't fully program with the student productions. And they rented space to us while we were itinerant. And Jim had been working on a Mark Twain show. So I said, we're going to call this the world premiere, Mark Twain and the Laughing River. And we got a band, and Jim so it was, he was the only speaker, but we had a band, and the music was great. These are all original songs Jim had written, and he did a lot of research on Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, and his writing. So a lot of the dialogue, or monologue, if you were, will came from Twain's writing. Now, did he predate the Hal Holbrook kind of Mark no, Twain? No, or, he was or after kind, Holbrook. So Holbrook started it. But Post took off well, and he took with it, it. He took it in the music. There's also a, a local Chicago guy named Richard Hensel, who's a great uh, Mark Twain, but he never sang. He never sang. Yeah. I actually uh, saw him quite a bit at the Woodstock Opera House. Uh-huh. I was house manager there. And so I, I was very familiar with uh, Richard Hensel. But Jim Post, I knew about. It was funny because he was, people would say, oh, Jim Post doesn't. A mean Mark Twain. <laughs> yeah. And but go ahead and explain because yeah. you were running all these theaters and this one particular guy really kind of well you struck know, a we chord just... with you. <laughs> Jim used to joke for on stage, he'd say, Richard, could you get fired from this place so I can go to another place and get another gig? Because <laughs> I produced show by Jim at the Organic Theater. In Chicago, Northlake Theater in Evanston, College of Lake County in Grays Lake, Illinois. We did Mark Twain up there because I was working at a place called the David Adler Cultural Center. And then when I went to Munster at Theater at the Center, Munster's right over the state line. We just fell down there. I don't know if you noticed. Hold the, the, <laughs> yeah. Let me fix. Let me fix the technical difficulties with our camera, but keep going. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to let this thing go. Let's just keep talking because it's telling my, my storage is full. Oh, so we'll, we'll just do this audio? Yeah, yeah we'll do this audio, which oh, is okay. fine. I don't have to look at you or you the know camera. What I mean? Now we can here. just keep talking. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jim and I just, I don't know how much we had in common or not, but Jim was just... He loved being on stage. His whole life was a performance. He was one of those guys. He'd walk in the room, and if he was checking out at the Jewel, he'd make friends with the cashier or the other people in line. He just had that knack of relating to people. And and with your with the uh, tribute to Jim Post that you did up at Space in Evanston in November, you brought along all these other stars of yeah. the Chicago yeah. scene. And one question I have for you, 
about that, Richard, is, is what was it about that scene that made it so amazing with all these artists, these luminaries walking around? I call them luminaries like Bonnie yeah. Kolak, you got John Prine, you got Steve Goodman. And you had Jim Post, it was, you had it felt Holstein. Like a new, it you know, felt like Holstein. a new thing. It felt like folk music had been around a long time. We got the Weavers, we got Pete Seeger, we got Woody Guthrie, of course. And uh, But Chicago had a nexus of people who congregated at the center of this place. The Old Town School helped some, too, when that came into being. But they just they fed off each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's... I just saw Bonnie Kolak Saturday night. She was performing at the Old Town School. She said, I'm the last one standing from our group. But she's 80 years old as of today. Wow. Yeah, if you look on Wikipedia, it might say she's 78. But she said, when I first met Roger Ebert and he was writing about me and stuff, I lied about my age. <laughs> Sorry, Bonnie, I outed you. But yeah. she did it on stage. She Only did. by two years, yeah. too. Yeah. That's funny. Usually yeah. they take 10 off. But but. Bonnie Kolak's like Marty McCormick. Because she's also a wonderful artist. She does. Yeah, yeah. I've seen her art. Uh, and she's now one of these other Chicago artists that uh, moved out to uh, Alamakee County, Iowa. Yeah. Where Brian Fitzgerald lives. Uh, yeah. And has uh, yeah. taken on that whole uh, yeah. kind of lifestyle, too. But Yeah, but so there's something about the time and the place that made it happen. And, of course... A lot of people know the story about how it was basically Christopher, Chris Christopherson and all people, Paul Inca, who helped discover Steve Goodman and and John Prine. I always heard about Chris Christopherson finding these guys, but how did Paul Inca fit into it? I think it? he was an A&R guy or something. Really? I don't know. He was like a scout. Yeah. Wonder. And Christopherson definitely was there at the Earl of Old Town and said to whoever signed these guys and the only two who really broke out nationally were Prine and Goodman though Bonnie Kolak she was known for making that uh, some really great commercials I think one of those uh, airplane commercials was her but and what, you know. what was what was Jim Post he had a, a, a minor hit right uh, just no it was actually an international hit <laughs> it was called Reach Out in the Darkness and uh, but they mis they misnamed it. It was supposed to be Reach Out of the Darkness. <laughs> but they got the article wrong there, the preposition. Yeah. I went through history with the wrong name, the song. But the reason people remember it is it's got the incredibly catchy refrain. I think it's so groovy now that people are finally getting together. It's so groovy how people are finally getting together. And it was Jim had a group with his wife at the time called Friend and Lover. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> as Randy Sabine, who was one of the, the guy, our music director for this event in November, said, no one could ever figure out whose friend and whose lover. <laughs> but, that's, that's a great name. We, uh, I yeah, love it. Yeah, and uh, we were in Cleveland. We went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Jim was in there because they had that song in the One Hit Wonder exhibit. And so we can always say Jim made it to the Hall of Fame with that song. And they still play it on uh, oldies radio. And uh, Jim used to say, there's mailbox money coming because they used it in a TV show or they used it in a movie and you get a royalty. See, I didn't realize it It went international. Oh, huge. See, it was huge. I always thought it was yeah. the only other guy that 
besides like Goodman and that, but would be like Ronnie Rice. Yeah. A new Colony Six. So yeah. Those guys right. hit uh, one the, out of the, the park. Buck, the Buckinghams were a local Buckinghams. group. And they had a drag and right. Jim Peterick and the Hides of March had a vehicle. And, uh, and when you get that one hit, you almost never can follow it up in pop music. And this was folk music, though, right? Or was Jim over was in rocky. the pop? It was rocky. A rocky. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, okay. it, was it was definitely rocky. And he could have, you know, he opened for a lot of people. I, he tells a lot of stories. According to Jim, he opened for Cream and opened for Jimmy. I don't know. I don't know. Jim was a great storyteller, and I think a lot of them might have been true. <laughs> I wonder if we can verify that. If That would be wild if he opened for... Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Jim, uh, Jim played a lot of festivals, too. Hmm. I don't think he cared about fame and being a rock star. He just... He's a guy who never had a straight job in his life. But that kind of goes hand in glove with the the whole... The only person, John Prine, but very much later on, Mm -hmm. if you want, broke through, but not really broke through. John Prine moved to Nashville, and he made a lot of his living writing songs for country stars. And Jim's songs would have been great. And he had songs. He said, oh, I wish I could get this to Willie Nelson. And he never made the effort to move where they were and just insinuate them and play the Bluebird Cafe and do all that stuff. But Prime became a legend as a writer, even more so as, than as a performer. And so Jim, he was content living up in Galena and he tour. And he was just a guy who was comfortable being who he was. Mm-hmm. He was in his own skin and happy to be himself and just spread joy. He really did. At the event, it was a combination of a few. It wasn't any eulogies. It wasn't a memorial. It was a celebration of Jim Post. So we had, I hope I get them all, but people who would worked with Jim, had recorded with him, knew him like Mo Dixon, lives in Portland, Oregon, and he heard about it and flew himself in. He said, I got to be there. Ann Hills, we actually scheduled it because we knew Ann Hills was going to be in Skokie the weekend before, and she just stayed over a couple of days. Howard Levy lives uh, in the northern suburbs, and he's a, one of the world's great harmonica players. Oh, he's yeah. also a great keyboard player. Him and Corky Siegel, <laughs> as I, Corky didn't want to be announced because he wasn't sure he was going to make it. Didn't worry about COVID and that, and because he had some other gigs he didn't want to conflict with. So anyway, so I saw Howard Levy do a show at Space in Evanston, was the venue we had this gym post, and I said, there just might be another Jewish harmonica player making the scene. <laughs> of course, he knew I meant Corky, because they're all old friends. Howard is just a great, and Randy Sabine, the music director, can play any stringed instrument. He's just a genius. He sings a little bit. So he was there, and then we we needed someone to do Reach Out of the Darkness. And Randy said, Dawn Ferris can do it. She just sung that with Jim. And so she lived in Wisconsin. Randy lives in Twin Cities, and he came in. And Dick Penny was an old friend of Jim's, and he's a great songwriter. I didn't really know Dick before we started this. And uh, he came up with an idea that we would call it an evening without Jim Post. 
<laughs> which was great. Yeah, and then we had we had some graphics we were showing. We showed a little video of Jim, and then we we had a corner of the screen was Jim as an angel looking down on the whole proceedings. The great thing about this is we're talking about it, and you think, man, I'd love to see that. But you can see it. We put it out on YouTube. We had this great guy. He brought three cameras. Mark Holzman was his name, National Video Documentarians or something. And uh, and he was he almost volunteered his time. And he came in, and he did this professional shoot, and it's available on YouTube. Just uh, an evening without Jim Post. If you put that in Google and you go to YouTube, you'll, you can see the whole thing. We'll, you know? we'll make sure that we put the link in oh, our production notes to mm-hmm. that. And we're going to take a little break right now. And we are talking to my dear friend Richard Friedman, who is a legend, I would say, by virtue of the fact that you you are like a true Chicago artist, I feel, that you've just you've stayed in Chicago and you've made a name for yourself by just working really yeah, hard. I'm still alive, man. What can I tell you? That's what it counts. And it's just funny. It sounds like with Jim Post, like artist uh, Al Rose, I always think of down in Andersonville with the Kopi Cafe. He has a song, My Posthumous Release, where he talks about you know, making it big after he dies. Why don't you read to us some of the reminiscences that you've written, some poetry about Jim Post. I'm assuming that's what we're going to hear, right? Yeah. I was going <laughs> to use my translations of Dostoevsky, but I'm, I'm still working on my Russian. All right, I'm man. Really there, man. <laughs> I just didn't know if you are going to throw me a curveball. Yeah. yeah, by the way. No, I, I don't know what you're I talking. was going to do readings from Finnegan's Way. <laughs> Finnegan's Way. Oh, nice. Irish. Yeah. Yes. we got one more month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Jim was being celebrated... I said at the event is, it's nice to be celebrated while you're still alive and can hear what people say about you. So Jim um, and Galena, there were two events. One was his 80th birthday party where a bunch of great local musicians played. And the other was they named uh, Jim Post Day in Galena. Gave him the, I don't know if they have keys, but they gave him the entry to the city. And uh, was at city council and they did a proclamation and they named him the official Poet Laureate of Galena, which he was, no, for sure. So I figured I had to write some poems. As I said previously, if you watch the Mr. Marty show, that I like to write poems for events to celebrate them. It's called occasional poetry, which means to celebrate an occasion. So on this occasion, I said, actually, I wrote this in the car while my wife drove us to Galena. So I figured, well, how can I get something that gets the essence of Jim without going on forever? So I wrote haikus. Now, for those who haven't studied their Norton's anthology lately, a haiku is a three-line poem, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. And, of course, the the Chinese poets were experts at it, and, and I, I dabble in it. I think the key is you got to have some sort of hook to put a wrap on the three lines. So... Some don't. Okay, 16 haikus, The Adventures of Jim Post, which is, of course, is a takeoff on The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, since he was known for his Mark Twain. We're gathered today to thank gods and spirits for Jim in our world. Very few who've met Jim will forget that day or time or wish they hadn't. 
Texas Kid Preacher, radio talent show win, set Jim on his path. Earl of Old Town born, Prine, Goodman, Kolak, and Post, songs for the long haul. What kind of man can say he never punched the clock, made his mark with art? A great storyteller, his trick is repetition. The fifth time is the best. Reach out in darkness. Jim's eyes provide clear light to guide you home safe. Bart of Galena, the bewhiskered troubadour, spirit of the town, believes in marriage. His mantra is no secret. Well, I do. I, if you don't know, Jim was married multiple times. Lena Rose played the lyric. Pavarotti called Jim an angel. That's a true story. That... Since he was in the building, they said, let's go see the show in the other theater. Someone took Pavarotti to see Galena Rose. And he was only, he was on a tight schedule. They were going to go out for dinner or something. And he said, I can only stay for the first act. And he told Jim ahead of time. But he was so entranced by Jim's performance, he stayed for the whole time. And he told Jim, you should have been an opera singer. You're the voice of an angel. <laughs> Your range is incredible, which it was. Wow. And Jim could sing high. He could sing low. He just had a voice from well up above. Uh, Magic in his twain, music of old Sam Clemens revealed on stage. Flows like a river, words, jokes, songs, and sweet music. Jim, a source of truth. Highway 20 runs straight to Jimmy Davis' heart. Wind sings Galena. Highway 20 gets you right to Galena. <laughs> so that's it. And of course, I was playing off on Jimi Hendrix. The wind cries Mary, right? Okay. No one-hit wonder. Those in the know know better. Groovy then and now. In more just world, every town of Galena, all your friends like Jim. Simple equation. Jim loves his life more than most. Most of us love Jim. That was one of his famous songs, albums, I Love My Life. And the cover is a, when Jim was much younger, a bare-chested Jim under a waterfall. And it's been renowned on quite, quite a few times on television as one of the worst album covers ever. It was on Jimmy Fallon. And also Ellen DeGeneres, and he's actually, he looks great. He's got a handlebar mustache. And uh, and uh, Jimmy Fallon was, it was, his segment was called Do Not Play. And so actually they played some of it. And then Jimmy and his sidekick, Higgins, whatever his name is, they said, hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> and it was good. Everything he did was good. And uh, he's written an autobiography of sorts, stories from his childhood, which was in the woods of uh, outside Houston. And I hope someday to get it together and see if we can get someone to publish it. Because he was a great storyteller as well as... The thing is, besides for being a great singer, when he acted, and the great thing about it was, he'd written the play, so if he messed it up, who cared? No one knew. If you're in character as Sam Clemens, Mark Twain, you just can go with it. One time I went to the Earl of Old Town. Uh, not the Old Town, the Old Town School of Folk Music. And Jim said, we're going to tape it today. I got a guy, we're going to make a first-class video, and they will put out a DVD. And the show's going on, and, on, and it was almost three hours. I said, what happened, Jim? He said, well, I guess I was doing two shows at the same time. Galena Rose, not Galena Rose. I was doing Mark Twain and the Laughing River, and then Mark Twain's Adventures Out West. Since he... Twain went out west. He was uh, wrote for the San Francisco Chronicle. He had adventures. And Jim had done a play about that, and he put the two shows together. I can understand. When you get in a loop, you just go with it. So, yeah, unfortunately. That, that tape never saw the light of day, but that was Jim. And uh, 
he just he loved the people. He just did he have a did he have a real big following or what? How he was not good at marketing. He never had a great website. He used to mail out his stuff himself. He and his wife at the time, Janet Post, they put out a series of tapes to help kids learn how to read phonetically. And so they wrote a bunch of songs about the alphabet and stuff. He did all sorts of stuff, but he never really clicked on how am I going to monetize my talent. And mm. he would do his Galena Rose show by himself as a one-man show in Galena almost year-round. He was... There was a little place called the Train Depot Theater that I saw him do it several times, right on Main Street in Galena. So he would make his living doing that. And every so often he'd get a good gig or someone would, or they'd use his song in a commercial or something. And he was happy. He was happy. So he he was satisfied with that kind of lifestyle. He wasn't like going, man, if only I would have had that break. Yeah. No, I don't think he regretted much. He would when things on Jimmy Fallon... He'd say, we got to get on Jimmy Fallon. Say, I'm still alive. That guy's still alive. And I couldn't get through the layers to, to get to it. And It's right. difficult. It is. It is to break out. And who knows? Now, if you go viral, you got a chance. And Jim never really exploited it. And he never really put that much effort into it. But he put out his last album that he did in the studio was called Reach Out Together. He got permission from... I was a Jesse Colin Young, the guy who wrote Come On People Now, Let's Get Together. So it was what we call, I guess, in today's nomenclature, a mashup of Jim's song, Reach Out of the Darkness, and that song, Come On People Now. It's great. So the album's called Reach Out Together, and he got a guy who was an old acquaintance or friend of Jim's called Jerry Miller, who became known as one of my favorite San Francisco scene groups, the Moby Grape. And Jerry Miller was a great guitar player who was the lead guitar for Moby Grape. And Jim reached out to him and got him to come to Galena, where I think they made the record. So it had a lot of good songs on it, some new stuff. And he did a lot. Of, he did beautiful covers. He, he did a Shenandoah, they'll break out. Now, Marty, you're known for your Danny Boy, which brings people to tears every May, every March, April, and May. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you do it. Yeah. Uh, and he could do Shenandoah like you do Danny Boy. Oh, wow. Uh, And uh, he loved uh, traditional music. He could do 16 tons. And uh, he loved people. He could do Steve Goodman songs. There was a writer named Kendall Carty. loved to sing his songs. He did a show in Oak Park at the community theater there where it was all songs by Steve Goodman and a writer he knew named Gamble Rogers. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so he loved to celebrate other artists too he didn't say i'm only gonna do my own stuff you know if it was right for his voice he'd do it let's take a little break here we're with richard friedman and we're remembering the great jim post and celebrating his life and and his music you are listening to strong out go to martinmccormack.com and sign up for our newsletter you'll get the latest blog from marty information about upcoming podcasts and what's happening in the gallery. That's martinmccormack.com Deep within there's a vision The time is nothing but space 
But within every minute in my mouth it's within Somehow there's a beautiful face And it's all such a delicate balance The sport of infinity we give Expectations we have may lead down the path of the devil of discouragement lives. Never been a telescope, but a mind And we're back, and I've got Richard Friedman with me, and I, just hearing you talk about Jim Post and reminiscing about him, I feel there's a sense of nostalgia, sadness, actually, in a way, because that era, that's long gone now, and nothing really replaced it in Chicago. Artists who stay in Chicago are amazing. Like, you stayed in Chicago. We, my family's like big fans of Wilco and Jeff Tweedy, and they live in Chicago, and it's great. And when they come to Chicago, they could sell out the auditorium theater for three nights because they connect with the people in Chicago. And they're all from other places. I think Jeff Tweedy might be from Bellevue or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's downstate. Yeah, and it's just when people feel Chicago fits them and they stay, then it gives them a license to create art that isn't always around the corner. There's an A&R guy telling you, you got to change this or not. You can make on your own. And I think Wilco has their own studio. And I think that's a great way, the means of production, so to speak. But not too many got to it, to that point where they could. And Wilco's a good example of a, a band that was signed, and then they got off the label, and now they're just independent, for the most part, I believe, that they never signed to another album. And that's also like a Chicago thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let's think of the, the people who, as far as we know, still live in, live in Chicago, who got to some national prominence. You got... Like, for example, Howard Levy is not a household name, but he's played all over the world. He's played with Bella Fleck. He's backed, he's been on 40 albums, probably, yeah. either as a leader or as a sideman, and he, he feels comfortable being in Chicago. Corky Siegel, one of the great blues guys. And, yeah, he lived in San Francisco for a while, so did Jim. And... Or I take one of my favorite guitar players, Mike Bloomfield. He grew up on the North Shore, near where I grew up. Actually, I have a picture of him from his bar mitzvah in 1956. And here's a kid, he's 14, 15 years old, and he just loved blues. So here he is with the guts. Somehow he got himself to the west side and the south side and going to the blues clubs to learn from the masters. And they embraced him because he was so good and he was such a sponge for knowledge. Like Paul Butterfield Blues Band, those guys. So there's something, of, I have a poem called Deadline USA, and it ends with, 
as long as there's been art, there's been a point of origin in newspapers called Chicago. So there's something, some people started here and went all over the world, and others decided to stay. Now, John Prine, who, you know, I, I love his music, I love his writing, and he's also, like me, a former mailman. <laughs> I didn't know that, see? Yeah. Wow, no, cool. Yeah, you knew about him, right? I, I knew that, that he, yeah. No, I was in near Saugenash and Edgebrook neighborhood of Chicago. I was a mailman. And so anyway, but he went to Nashville and, as I said, made a, made a lot of his living as a writer and then also performing. Well, there's a different ways to do it, but it's... Like I saw Patti Smith a couple of months ago, and she's so proud of being born in Chicago. But she never had an artistic career in Chicago. Her goal was to get to New York, and she got there. And Patti Smith started out as a poet. And or Jim Carroll was another great poet who became a rock, rock star of sorts, too. So poetry is a good starting off point, and not that many people can make a living just staying being a poet. I always had other jobs, you know. Chicago is funny in the sense that even with country music, the Grand Old Opry started here, the barn dance, WLS barn oh, dance. Oh, really? The, the, and, and a lot of this, it yeah. It started here? It started here. Wow. And a lot of... A lot of the music scene started here and then left it's, or was taken. Like all the blues artists and the Rolling Stones came in. and Yeah, yeah. there's videos of them playing with Muddy Waters. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. And, but the Chicago scene is a difficult scene. And you know firsthand from theater and everything. It's just hard to put it, to keep it. I don't know yeah. what it is about it. Yeah, it's like we live. don't. Yeah. There's a bit of pride in the fact, like, oh yeah, I survived that one. There's a there's a, yeah. a funny sense of yeah. There's yeah. not like that camaraderie. It's more like survival of the fittest here, isn't it? <laughs> I hope it's not that. <laughs> but there's an old expression, showbiz expression: you can make a killing, but you can't make a living. So you might catch a rocket and get a hit song or something, and. And be able to do it, but I think you can live more comfortably in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You can raise a family better here. I have friends who were young poets, and they split for New York. And but early on, we had a collective of poets, and we those who stayed in town maybe didn't care as much about getting published and success. They just wanted to live a life and figure out a way to make enough money to pay the bills. I don't know, but I do think Chicago is got an energy in the Midwest because of our location. We're getting forces from all sides of the country. People, the blues guys came up from Mississippi and Alabama and made Chicago our home. Rock and rollers has never really been known for a huge rock scene. I don't. Let's take a little break. You are listening to Strong Out.
Bring to his town near the county down one day past the line. Down a boring grey came a fine colleague, smiled as she passed me by. And she looked so sweet in her two bare feet to the sheen of her nut brown hair. Such a winsome elf, I pinched myself to see I was standing there. Near Brinery Bay to the Terrian Gate from Galloway to Dublin Town. No maid I've seen like a brown colleague.
Galloway to Dublin town. No maid I seen like the brown calling that I met in the county down. Hello everyone, my name is Polly Chase. I am the gallery director of Marty's online art gallery at martinmccormick.com. If you haven't done so already, I invite you to go check out his artwork. He works in several different formats, painting, illustration, drawings, and a very unique way of doing scratch art, which I think you'll find very interesting. So go check it out, martinmccormick.com. Click on the gallery, look at the art, and when you're ready to start your own collection, send me an email at martyfineart at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Let me ask you this. The last question is, do you think such an era that you experienced with Jim Post and all these other great artists, and we there was guys like Tom Dundee and... There was a whole bunch in that era. Do you think that is something that we'll ever see again? Or do you think that's just one of those Camelot kind of moments? I've got a feeling it's not likely to repeat itself. I don't know. It's. I know good friends who won't leave their houses. They're scared to death of COVID. And I actually say to them, you're one of the most depressed cats I know. You're just trying to prolong the agony. <laughs> you know, go out and experience life. There, I thought of another great Chicago artist who's been all over the world, John Langford. And he lives in Edgebrook, Saganash area. And he just, it's just the base for him. And he's like you and Bonnie Kolak. He's also a wonderful visual artist. And I've seen him play so many times. And it's, it's either by himself or with a different group that he invents on the spot. I think he finds it a place where, you know, sometimes he's got a group called the Mekons where half the members are in the UK and half are here. So he can not get the visas and stuff to work to play very often. But when they do, it's like, yeah, they just fall into the same thing. So I do think Chicago can be a real fertile ground to nurture a young person in, in their art, whatever it is. But maybe it's hard to hang in here and, and make a living and stay in Chicago. And I don't want to beat a, a beat it to death, but it would be interesting. The Grammys just were last Sunday, and I think to myself, why don't we have something like that? Uh-huh. Just Chicago-based. Chicago like the Chicago Music Awards. Why, you know, because we're missing out on a lot of other genres that Chicagoans are participating in. I I went to a Martin Luther King celebration in Evanston, and... The pastor who got up to talk about King, turns out his congregation, he produced, he got four Grammys for gospel, gospel music. And I'm like, wow. And and this is the kind of, and I'm like. Yeah, and there are things that you and I don't necessarily know, but house music started in Chicago, and that's gone across the world. So I guess, think about it, it's common, those guys. It's not the genre I understand. But you're a promoter, man. You're 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 a mover and shaker. Why are we? Why I'm giving you? I'm, I'm, I'm tossing the gauntlet Music down to you, man. Put together the Chicago Music Awards, the Wind Windy City Music, or whatever you want to call it. 
I think it would be something that would draw attention back to Chicago. Paul von Mertens, one of the great composers, arrangers, worked for Brian Wilson, and he's in Poy Dog Pondering. There's so many. What was that guy's name? Steve Albini, is that it? Steve Albini. So Steve Albini, and then there's also, uh, oh God. Uh, you got Nicholas Tremelis. Thank you. Town. I was just yeah. trying to remember Nicholas Tremelis. Irish Music World, you got mm-hmm. Liz Carroll, you got John Williams, you got Sean Cleland, you got, yeah. you got a, yeah. a bunch. I would throw Jackie Moran in there as far as just towering figures. I think we need a Chicago Music Awards to well, you know, reinvigorate the, greatest, the scene. The greatest music organization to me is the uh, AACM, the so- uh, Association of African Creative Musicians. I, mm-hmm. Excuse me if I got it wrong, but they're jazz, basically jazz music, and their music's gone all over the world, and they, they still have a base here in Chicago, and, and their people are... Maybe instead of calling it the Chicago Music Awards, we call it the Jim Post Awards. <laughs> the Posts. Yeah, the Post. You want so, a Post. You want a Jimmy David. The Jimmy Davids. <laughs> the Jimmy Davids. So, the um, JDs. Watch for the link on, uh, to watch that show. You'll love it. And you don't have to watch it all. It's two hours long. You don't have to watch it all. But uh, my son Howard reads a great poem and... Uh, Get them on here or have them recorded for the well, Marty show. We will the, get Howard. The King of Joy. He's, yeah. your, he's your other poet laureate of the show. Yeah, yeah Howard, how, he is great. He wrote this great poem it, about Jim called the King of Joy. Jim Post was his godfather. Yeah. So yeah. that I think that's so cool. That, that just shows how much uh, of a friendship you guys had. But we're out of time for this time, but we will have Richard Friedman back and... Yeah, don't worry. I'll keep after Richard <laughs> for, for starting the post awards. You know what? Okay, let me get into a little philosophy. A little philosophy. There are people. David Bowie. I just watched the David Bowie documentary, Moon Age Daydream. I highly recommend it if you're listening to this. You don't have to be a Bowie fan. What an interesting guy. His, it gets into his philosophy of creativity and reinventing yourself, which is good for all artists. You have different genres. I know you do the Gaelic thing, you do the yeah. Americana, you do the straight folk music. I think that's great. As I'm not a professional writer. I don't get paid for it. I just want to do it for myself. And I gave up a long time ago saying, oh, I got to submit to the big magazines. I need a poem in the New Yorker and all that. I just write them and send them out to people I think might be interested. And I just think that there's creativity for yourself and creativity because you think you're going to get somewhere. I'm just where I'm supposed to be, and that's all right. I don't know. I don't know. But but my theory was that you don't judge an artist's success by if they won an Academy Award or if they're EGOT. Or, it's by if their art moves you. And awards maybe put a little spotlight on something that wouldn't get it otherwise. They're phony as hell. Now, I watched the Grammys. I got to admit, I watched the whole thing. And there was a great cartoon, maybe in New York or something. It's two baby boomers like me. All right. I was born in the 50s. And they're sitting watching and they go, who, 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 who? And then all of a sudden, they're exclamation, Joni Mitchell. Because that was the only person. But when... When 
Tracy Chapman came on to sing with Luke Combs. He made her song a huge country hit. Yeah. It was great. It was magical. Because the energy of two artists, one who highly respected the person, it, it was just fantastic. And, and Joni Mitchell singing with him. Great artists, some of whom were from Chicago, at least one was. It was just great to see she can still sing. And one of the great songwriters of all time, I think. And also an artist. <laughs> there, there you go. The Maybe there Rachel is something artist. with David that. David Bowie, Marty McCormick, that Bonnie big. Kolak. <laughs> Maybe we, instead it's of those Chicago words, we'll just have an art showing. <laughs> Talk about, I could go on how tough that business is, but... Yeah. Spoken like a true Chicagoan. Yeah, so that's, and, that's and, what I'm going to say. Spoken like a true Chicagoan. Do it for the love. Don't do it for yeah, the, the glory. Folks, we're going to wrap it up here with Richard. And as always, so great to have you here. Richard Friedman, my friend, and a great poet, a great. I'm serious when I talk about his efforts. It theater and everything else in the Chicago area and you were in the press you had uh, you had your yellow press going for a yeah, long time yeah. so you're a, you're a true Chicagoan in that sense and so if I had the award show I'd be giving you like the lifetime achievement award right now <laughs> man so <laughs> there you, you go thank you, so, thank you. all right folks listen um, that's it for this weekend as always thank you for listening to strung out and we'll be back with more next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. For more information about this show or a transcript, visit martinmccormack.com. While there, sign up for our newsletter. See you next time on Strung Out. It's all so wrong, it's pain we feel, makes no sense at all. A swan.